There's a spirit in our land raising up the kind of man with a burning in his heart to be free. Like the preacher man of old, he can't be bought, he can't be sold. What did they preach? They preached liberty. Exercise of their God-given rights Granted them at the time of their birth The right to speak their arms and pray Worship God on land and say From that law we will keep our people free Through the jury we'll guard our liberty They call the king into accounting For his disregard of law not to yield before his threats For God established rulers to protect the rights of man And ordained government to fit into his plan To maintain his people's liberty Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights Granted them at the time of their birth From that law, we will keep our people free. Through the jury, we'll guard our liberty. Such preacher men today to show our people the way to redeem their lost liberty. The fires of hell cannot prevail against one man who'll take a stand from the pulpit, expose tyranny, and teach his people liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, granted them time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from that law we will keep our people free, through the jury we'll guard our liberty, liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, granted them at the time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God not guilty we choose to acquit the state was wrong to charge him this law is not fit for a people who love their liberty for a people who will die for liberty Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Voice of Liberty. This is Rick Tyler thanking you for tuning in. And I want to begin today by reminding everybody that the forces of evil, they fancy that they get away with all of their dark and decrepit deeds because in this life, at least, in this world that we're living in, uh, there seems to be no justice ever meted out against them. 
they build up this uh, unbelievable track record of, once again, seemingly being able to get away literally with murder, mass murder, in fact, and, and even things worse than that. Uh, the, the dark and decrepit deeds of the conspiratorial forces that are forging the chains of globalist tyranny over the people of this planet, uh, they know no bounds. They know no limits. They are just off the chart, as the saying goes. And yet, once again, I want to emphasize the fact that according to Scripture, everything will eventually be revealed. Everything will be exposed in the fullness of time. And this is a critical dimension or component of the equation that that we are dealing with in this life because those who seek after truth and righteousness and justice at times can take it personal when they see this seemingly unbroken track record of the minions of hell getting away with all of their dastardly deeds. It can get downright debilitating and depressing and demoralizing, to say the least. And yet, again, we know that the God of Scripture sits on the throne of the universe and that he does not miss a detail. And ultimately, there will be a time of judgment. There will be a time of, of accountability And of course, there will then also be the commencement of eternity, what we will call eternity, when the the time frame that we are living in at present, remember that the universe is comprised of three uh, particular and specific components, that would be time, space, and matter. Time is part of the creation. It will run its course, time as we know it. We know that our God, our Creator, our Heavenly Father, is not bound by time, that he transcends time, space, and matter, that he is ever-living, without beginning and without end. Now again, to our finite human minds, this is difficult to comprehend, but it is true nevertheless. There are things that we must resign ourselves to the reality and the fact of that we cannot understand them. Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us that the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But beyond the aspect of the creation that we know of as time, beyond that, something begins that we would call eternity. And eternity, of course, is forever. It is something that is everlasting, ongoing. And the punishment that will be meted out against evildoers and the wicked will, in fact, it will encompass the scope of eternity. And whatever temporal benefits, pleasures, advantages that the evil forces derive from their their diabolical deeds that they seemingly endlessly get away with, whatever benefits they derive from that, uh, they will be vastly outweighed and outmeasured by the punishment and the suffering that they will incur and will experience in eternity. Now, we shouldn't just simply relish uh, that fact for, for the sake of vengeance, because the scripture says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But from the standpoint of yearning for justice, we should 
very much relish this long-term plan of God that involves meeting out justice and judgment to everyone as it is deserved. And of course, let us remember also that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And even those who are the chosen people of God, even those who are his peculiar treasure, and in the world today, of course, those would be people of primarily of European extraction, but even those people obviously are sinful, very sinful, in fact. We all have a fallen nature. It's called in Calvinistic theology, the total depravity of man. But because we have been on the receiving end of the sacrificial payment for our sins via the blood of our Messiah, we stand blameless before the God of eternity and the God of Scripture. And of course, there is something about uh, those who are the children of Satan. Remember Jesus said to those enemies of his, he said, you are of your father, the devil. And of course, we know that, that there are those throughout time and history, and certainly we don't have to look far in our world today to find examples of this phenomenon, but there are those who are just simply given over to depravity, to a reprobate mind, to wickedness, to ungodliness, to evil, uh, to murder and violence, and, and all of the, the ugly and horrific characteristics that the scripture makes reference of. So again, these individuals, there's something about them that is just emblematic of their character. And they seem to wallow in their depraved state. They seem to thrive on the lies that they tell and the crimes that they commit. And it is so antithetical to what the just and the righteous yearn for that it is as though we, we truly are living in two different universes. And of course, the political divide in the contemporary world and in America specifically has grown so so pronounced. The chasm is so vast. It's so great. It's so immeasurable that, once again, it's as though we live in two different universes. Now, obviously, we are on uh, courses of direction that are so totally divergent that there's, there's no uh, reconciling uh, this pronounced difference. And something ultimately has to give. Obviously, it will in eternity. But even in the here and now, we should never cease or relent from our quest to expose the truth, to expose the wickedness of these people that I'm describing in this life, in the here and now, and to establish justice and righteousness and orderliness and the rule of law in terms of God's law being the standard whereby uh, things operate and transpire. But we must understand that it's possible that Almighty God might allow uh, this evil force to continue to uh, get away with their horrific crimes, and he might allow them to continue to believe and think that they are on the way to establishing their, their own uh, utopia that they are always questing after. Uh, he might allow them to, to have ample rope with which to hang themselves sufficiently uh, but again, our desire should always be to eradicate the evil and to establish justice. 
and to maintain the healthy state of mind of knowing that irrespective of how he allows things to happen from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, no matter what he allows to happen or not happen, that he is sovereign, he is on the throne, he is in control, and even if he doesn't bring them to the bar of justice in this life, they will be brought to the eternal bar of justice where the sentence that will be meted out against them will be incomprehensible in nature. God is infinitely capable of meeting out punishment that is appropriate and justified in a way that we could never do it. So again, we must have absolute faith in him. Now, having said all of this, I just wanted to give that foundation because sometimes we can get bogged down in the debilitating facets of our existence because we wake up day after day and we uh, try to uh, slog it out and and, uh, we try to fight the good fight and yet often we see so little in the way of results. And instead of onward Christian soldiers, it seems like it is so often backward Christian soldiers in a never-ending fashion. So I want everybody to remember the overarching principle that I'm trying to point toward here, which is that justice is inevitable in God's economy, in the ultimate unfolding of time and, of course, eternity. Now, we have things going on, obviously, in a a regular, ongoing uh, manner that are calculated, they are cunning, they are uh, conspiratorial. Uh, for lack of a better term. And there's nothing wrong with the word conspiratorial or conspiracy. In fact, we need to own it. We need to act and respond with incredulity when people suggest that that maybe we are conspiracy theorists, as they like to uh, state that term in a pejorative type manner. Instead of recoiling and, and feeling like there is something to feel guilty about, because you simply recognize the conspiratorial machinations of evil men, you need to reverse the charges on people. If they call you a conspiracy theorist, if they try to suggest that somehow you are unstable because you uh, see and recognize the conspiratorial nature of the mass crimes that are committed by the forces of evil, reverse the charges on people by asking them if they would classify themselves as a conspiracy denier. In other words, you do what our Savior did when he would be confronted by his evil opponents and they would try to ask him loaded or trick questions. He would simply ask them a question in response. And so that question that we should ask people when they are trying to suggest that somehow we are imbalanced or out of kilter because we see the conspiratorial nature of the globalist crimes that are committed by our mortal enemies, we need to ask them, wait a minute, are you a conspiracy denier? Now, you'll find that when you do that, you're going to get a rather predictable response. People are going to, in general, now there are always exceptions to every rule, but in general, people are going to respond by denying that they are a conspiracy denier. And this is basic psychology 101 here. First of all, nobody likes to be labeled. And that includes us. We don't particularly like to be labeled. But we need to get over 
reacting negatively to being labeled because that's part of the game. That's part of the battle between good and evil because evil and wickedness and unrighteousness and ungodliness does not possess the truth, but instead they predicate everything they do on lies because of this facet of their character they will always try to resort to ad hominem attacks. They will always try to resort to the old axiom that if you can't discredit the message, discredit the messenger. They will do these things because it comes natural to them, and really it's their only line of defense. We, on the other hand, possess the truth, and we don't need to be worried about their tactics or techniques of trying to prop up and bolster the losing proposition that they are uh, bound to because, again, they don't have the truth. So again, Psychology 101, people don't like to be labeled. We're going to be labeled, big deal. Shrug your shoulders, get over it, don't worry about it. Just simply react in the proper way, which is to essentially ignore what your enemies are trying to do through this very superficial elementary tactic and reverse the charges on them. Ask them if they're a conspiracy denier. It's a valid question. Are people conspiracy deniers? Now, of course, we know that denier has been also formed and crafted by the enemies of truth to try to attack truth-tellers and those who love the truth. The most common usages of the term denier would be Holocaust denier or climate change denier. Those are are terms that are thrown around to try to pigeonhole people and try to discredit them. But again, denier has negative connotations. And so if you ask people, are you a conspiracy denier? I mean, look them dead in the eyes and ask them, are you a conspiracy denier? Look concerned when you ask them that. Because there really is something wrong with being a conspiracy denier. Someone who denies the flagrant, blatant, obvious, conspiratorial machinations of the most powerful forces in the world today really is a person that has a mental aberration. Someone who can walk outside and look up in the skies day after day and see all of the chemtrails, for instance, all of these discharges that are coming from these high-altitude aircraft that obviously are not exhaust. They obviously are not normal. They obviously haven't been going on throughout the history of aviation. And they have, according to declassified information now, uh, been carried out under the auspices and under the label of geoengineering. So again, somebody who can look at that and not scratch their heads and say, wait a minute, what is this? What's going on here? This couldn't be good. Someone who is that way, who has the ability to have tunnel vision and live in denial of the reality of chemtrails, for instance, is a conspiracy denier because the chemtrail phenomenon is a conspiracy. Obviously, there are significant numbers of people involved. Now, the guys that are flying the aircraft just collecting their paycheck uh, maybe they're military pilots. Who knows? We don't know all the facts about this. But they might be low-level low participants in this conspiracy. But it is a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy by strict definition. And there are obviously significant numbers of people, there would have to be, involved up the chain of command to make this happen day after day 
throughout the unfolding of weeks and months and years and decades. And so these people who are knowingly and consciously but secretively carrying out this mission to geoengineer and everything else they're trying to do uh, through the, the chemtrail phenomenon, obviously they are conspirators. And because what they are doing is not beneficial to humanity and to the planet, but instead is part of a globalist agenda for world government, what they are doing is criminal. It is evil. So they are involved in criminal conspiracies. And people who don't acknowledge or recognize this because they don't want to be called a conspiracy theorist or they uh, are insecure about the implications of the crimes that they're witnessing before their very eyes, they have a mental aberration. And so don't hesitate to call people a conspiracy denier or at least question them and give them the opportunity to bob and weave and backpedal and try to tap dance around the reality that, yes, that is what they are. They are conspiracy deniers. Now, again, we need to own the conspiracy uh, theory label. Uh, really, it's not theory. It's fact, conspiracy science, conspiracy fact. Uh, we should also become very fluent in that terminology when people talk about conspiracy theory, say, wait a minute, wait a minute. If something is readily provable by empirical evidence, is it a theory or has it crossed the threshold to be a fact? And obviously we know that the latter is true. Conspiracy facts are what we're dealing with here. When 9-11 happened, obviously a gargantuan criminal conspiracy was hatched and played out on the occasion of 9-11 and in the time period to follow right up to the present moment. The conspiracy is ongoing. We saw during the, the Trump administration the abuse of the FISA court, which, of course, was a byproduct of the 9-11 conspiracy. The criminal conspiracy that was 9-11 was so vast in its proportions, its tentacles extended so far, that what we are witnessing right now relative to the aftermath of January 6th is directly linked to the 9-11 conspiracy. In a way, it's just an extension because 9-11, under the bogus pretense that foreign terrorists had taken down the Twin Towers, under that false and bogus precept, the Patriot Act was justified and it was ramrodded through the national legislature, the Congress and the Senate at breakneck speed with almost unanimous support. Now, the Patriot Act, of course, was very inappropriately named because there is nothing patriotic about the Patriot Act. It is the Bill of Rights Evisceration Act more accurately titled, and yet the Patriot Act was swept uh, into legislative status in America because we were supposedly threatened by this foreign terroristic menace. Supposedly that was the case. Now, of course, we know that simultaneously with all of this, no steps were ever taken to close the southern border of America. 
And if there really had been Al-Qaeda-type terrorists, and of course people have often tongue-in-cheek referred to Al-Qaeda as Al-Qaeda, but if there really was Al-Qaeda poised, ready to go for the juggler of America and the Western world, ready to wreak havoc and chaos across the heartland of America, think of how many Al-Qaeda operatives could have freely crossed the southern border of America and then proceeded to carry out their suicidal, terroristic undertakings. It would have been a cakewalk because the border, once again, is like a sieve. It's open and completely uh, penetrable. And so the very fact that nothing was done to secure the southern border in and of itself proved the absurdity of the proposition upon which the Patriot Act and all of the aftermath occurrences of 9-11 transpired, the Department of Homeland Security. Where would we be right now without a Department of Homeland Security? Well, without a Department of Homeland Security, the enemies of liberty that happen to populate the national government of this country, especially at the high echelons of power, they would not be anywhere near as efficient and capable in their systematic dismantling of our rights and liberties in America. The Department of Homeland Security and the Patriot Act and the TSA, all of these things have advanced us very, very rapidly down the road toward complete enslavement and tyranny. And there is a continuum. There is linkage between these events that transpire these bellwether, these sea change events that happen in the unfolding of American history. 9-11 was quite obviously calculated. It was orchestrated. It was the proverbial inside job. Uh, There was the drill going on on the day of 9-11, such as almost always the case in all of these high-profile events. Coincidentally, quote-unquote, Uh, There's almost always a drill going on that mirrors what actually happens in real time and in real life on on these particular infamous dates of history. And such was, of course, the case on 9-11. There were actually drills and exercises going on that were premised on the utilization of aircraft uh, to crash into skyscrapers and things of this nature. Now, Also on 9-11, we had Building 7, which, of course, many people have very wisely and effectively zeroed in on Building 7 as a way to open people's eyes, to pry their eyes open about 9-11, because Building 7, this massive skyscraper, was not hit by anything, and yet, in the afternoon of 9-11, it fell at free-fall speed into its own footprint, And that obviously could not have happened apart from controlled demolition. There had to be controlled demolition involved in order for that building to just simply collapse. We know that on that day, BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, actually was reporting the the destruction of Building 7 before it happened. The memo had been received a little bit early by the news teleprompter reader, and they were actually reading the news of the fall of Building 7 before it happened. 
So the anomalies are never-ending. They are just so profuse and so thick, you can cut them with a knife. And again, anybody who lives in a state of denial of the conspiratorial nature of 9-11 is a conspiracy denier. And we need to reverse the charges on people and ask them that question. Are you a conspiracy denier? Make them answer yes or no. Now, very often they'll say, well, no, no, I'm not a conspiracy denier. And you can interrupt quickly at that point and say, well, good. I'm glad to hear that because you had me a little bit worried there. You almost sounded like a conspiracy denier. And in doing this, in saying this to people, you now do to them what they are always trying to do to you, which is put you on the defensive. Rightfully, you put them on the defensive, and they should be on the defensive because anybody who denies the reality of these massive criminal conspiracies, they are not just engaging in some fun and games type activity. They are doing grievous injury to the cause of truth and justice. They are doing grievous injury to America, for instance, if they are uh, an American uh, citizen, or they are doing injustice to the country they live in, if they allow the big lie to go unchallenged. And we know, of course, that Satan's MO, his modus operandi, is to, to lie skillfully, to lie incessantly, to lie in a manner that is highly effective in terms of making people feel insecure if they refuse to believe and accept the lie. The lying has reached epic proportions in the time we're living in right now. It has moved into the realm that we call gaslighting, based on an old movie by that that name, Gaslight. Uh, The gaslighting phenomenon is very, very pronounced in our present moment in time. And on every front, it seems, we are being challenged with absurdities, with preposterous notions and ideas that are vastly beyond the realm of reasonableness and sanity. And yet the people who advance these ludicrous notions, they look at you with a straight face and they act as though what they are speaking of, which again could not possibly be true, they act as though it's self-evident that it is as obvious as the sun rising in the east and setting in the west. And they act like you have some kind of mental aberration because you don't see that which they are purporting to be true. So again, this is a gaslighting phenomenon. That term has been bandied about a lot as people have become familiar with it within the truth movement. But But it is a very, very real tactic that is being used against those who love the truth. Now, of course, we should be be very relentless in our counter-assault to conspiracy denial, to gaslighting, to the general refutation of an attempt to deny truth, because it is, in fact, it is a crime to wage war against the truth. Jesus said that he is the truth. And of course, no man cometh to the Father but by him. The truth is inseparable from the God of Scripture and from his message of hope, 
and salvation to his people. Now, 9-11, again, I have cited that as an example of something of globalistic criminal proportions that the forces of evil seemingly have gotten away with lock, stock, and barrel. They build monuments to things that never happened, such as in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. They build and develop the lore and the legend that then, of course, is enshrined in the pages of publications and and very uh, effectively produced literature and books. And they build the lie, such as 9-11 and the events that supposedly transpired on that day. They build it up to such a level, to such an extent, to such a degree that it seems impossible to counter it. Now, thank heavens, there are people who continue to relentlessly expose these events. And when you think about it, 9-11 wasn't that long ago. And yet we have a generation coming of age now who were born at the time of or after 9-11. They've never known a world other than the one with the Department of Homeland Security, TSA at the airport, the Patriot Act as overriding, overarching uh, legislative templates in, a, in our country. They've never known anything other than this. And of course, that's the sad reality of how truth can be lost in a generation. Those, of course, who are older, who vividly remember what happened on 9-11, who are well-versed in the anomalies, often the technique of the forces of evil is to, to poo-poo and discredit them as being antiquated, arcane, obviously disconnected from current or contemporary reality. And the generational divide is invoked in this effort to discredit a significant portion of the population who has the ability to see what happened on 9-11 from a standpoint of greater clarity and greater understanding. But I allude to 9-11 because it is towering in its proportions, pardon the, the pun there, but it is very, very massive in terms of its proportions and implications. And so much in the aftermath and in the wake of 9-11 has been built upon the infrastructure of deceit and treachery that was brought forth justified by the alleged events of 9-11. Again, we could not have had the rollout of the pandemic the, the pandemic hoax that we've all been living through and currently are still living through, we could not have had that with any level or degree of efficiency such as what was utilized to make it fly worldwide and certainly in America. We could not have had that without the template that was established by 9-11. And similarly, what is now happening in the wake of the theft of the election and what is happening in the wake of the 6th of January when the supposed riots and insurrection happened at the Capitol, that also could not be happening without the template that was established by the falsified events of 9-11. For instance, the Justice Department at the national level of governance, they are currently engaged in a, an investigation that is 
of vast, sprawling uh, characteristics. The biggest investigation they've ever undertaken, so they say. And this investigation is supposedly for the purpose of ferreting out all of the, the people who engaged in criminal activity prior to and during the activities of January 6th. Now, January 6th was a red-letter date in American history in terms of the fact that virtually a million people, we don't have an exact number, but the number was probably in the neighborhood of a million. But even if it was only a half a million, a massive number of people, good, salt-of-the-earth type American people, they came in mass numbers to the capital of the nation at the behest and the, the summonsing of the president, whom they, by and large, greatly admired. They came to Washington, D.C. to support Donald Trump in that the election was in the process of being stolen from him. The rightfully and justly elected president who was having the election stolen from him through this unfolding systematic process of treachery and deceit. And so the people came to D.C. on that day because the Congress and the Senate that day were going to be dealing with the votes of the Electoral College. All of the attempts leading up to the 6th of January had met a brick wall in terms of being able to redress grievances, seek justice, and bring forth the truth. The courts were stonewalling. The Supreme Court refused to hear completely valid and viable uh, litigation that would have utterly and totally exposed the lie of the 2020 election. The media, of course, we know the, the partisan-controlled media, uh, they were engaged around the clock, covering up the crimes of the stolen election of 2020. The political parties, the Republicans and Democrats, unfortunately, they were both part of the conspiratorial cover-up of the theft of the election. Now, there were seeming exceptions to that rule, such as Senator Hawley from Missouri, Senator Cruz from Texas, and some 140 members of the U.S. House of Representatives who were objecting to the Electoral College tabulations from those states where the theft was rampant and obvious. And the supposed itinerary or agenda for January 6th was going to include a probing into and taking a serious look via testimony on the floor of the Senate and the House of the fraud that had taken place to precipitate and bring about the theft of the election. All of that was in motion. Individuals, some of whom I've just referenced, were already taking to the floor of the uh, chambers of the legislative bodies of government, and they were beginning to present their objections when something happened that was unprecedented and I'm speaking of 
a violent eruption at an event that was being marshaled in favor of Donald Trump. Trump, of course, had, had, had held many rallies throughout the country during his administration, uh, during the campaign for the 2020 vote. And at all of these very, very significantly attended events, sometimes upwards of 50,000 people, there was never any problem with violence, unlike the Marxist revolutionary leftists of our land today who specialize in the perpetration and orchestration of violence. The followers of Donald Trump and people who are conservative, patriotic, uh, Christian in their outlook and disposition, they in no way have a track record of fomenting or perpetrating violence. But on this date, January 6th, while Donald Trump was still speaking over near the White House, something was beginning to transpire at the Capitol that did erupt into violent exhibitions that were then captured on film. And then, of course, they began to be showed to the American public. They were shown to the American public so that the public could witness this conflagration going on between protesters and law enforcement. Now, we know that in the wake and in the aftermath of the events of January 6th, facts began to emerge that were not only interesting, but they were telling in terms of the inside job nature of the events of January 6th. We know that there was a stand-down of sorts on the part of law enforcement. We know that there was a minimization of personnel from a law enforcement standpoint on hand at the Capitol, woefully inadequate to deal with the size of the crowd that was obviously going to be there, present. But we also know that there was provocateur-type activity, and, and this, of course, is a regular and routine part of conspiratorial false flag-type activity. The provocateur is, of course, the agent of chaos who dons the attire of his ideological opposition in order to pose as being one of them so that he can then foment distraction or violence or activity that will do two things. First of all, it will provide optics that can be exploited for purposes of propaganda. But secondly, it can also induce other people who are not there for the purpose of engaging in violence or disruptive activity. It can nevertheless encourage and influence them as they get swept up in the emotional tide of what's going on. It can encourage them to do things that they otherwise would, under no circumstances, engage in. And that's what happened on the 6th of January. We know, of course, that there were provocateurs that were doubtlessly well-scripted, well-trained, and well-remunerated for what they did on that day. But their job was to position themselves at the, the head of the pack and to engage in the violent exchange with law enforcement. Their job was to induce others to follow suit, to get swept up in the tide of emotion. And, of course, this then led to an ultimate set of circumstances where 
several hundred, a couple hundred people at least probably, did go into the Capitol building. Now, the majority of them were completely peaceful. They acted as though and presented the image as though they were simply touring the Capitol. And in fact, they were welcomed in by various and sundry of the law enforcement personnel that were stationed there. Now, there were the provocateurs, there were the uh, deliberate perpetrators of violence, and the optics were captured of violent interchanges between protesters and police. And there were, of course, a few deaths that occurred, one of whom was a young woman, 14-year military veteran, apparently somebody caught up in the the QAnon uh, movement, who was shot and killed. The individual who shot her is not being held accountable uh, for this wanton killing of an unarmed, innocent person. And of course, precious little is being said about the other individuals who died on that day. We know that one law enforcement uh, individual who died, it was falsely claimed that he died through a blunt force trauma type injury, a fire extinguisher hitting him on the head, when in fact, nothing of the sort ever happened. We do know, though, that the media and those who now pontificate from a quasi-authoritative standpoint on the events of uh, January 6th, that they regularly refer to it as the deadly riot, the deadly insurrection that happened on the 6th of January, without bothering to mention that all of the deadliness of it emanated from the side of law enforcement, from the side of government, from the side of the corrupt, entrenched powers that be. Even though there was some violence that was perpetrated by individuals posing as Trump advocates and supporters, that violence itself did not result in any serious injuries or death. But the actions of various individuals within the law enforcement side did produce death. And yet, once again, with a straight face in their gaslighting fashion, the controlled partisan media refers to the events of January 6th as the deadly insurrection, as though the Trump supporters have blood on their hands and they are responsible for the loss of life. Now, to storm the Capitol on that day, January 6th, uh, was, any way you slice it, it would have been a bad strategical maneuver. Tactically, it would have been classifiable as an utter and total mistake and a blunder if it had been the deliberate intent of Trump supporters to storm the Capitol. Because what was transpiring on the inside of the, uh, the Capitol building that day was the last hope for the exposition and the laying bare of the election fraud that had taken place that was in the process of stealing the election from Donald Trump. And anybody who was in their right mind and of a sane and rational disposition would have wanted that to get traction, to go forth under the skillful abilities of these former uh, attorney generals of their respective states, men such as Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. They could have hit a major lick for truth that day, and they could have pushed the ball down the field towards the greater possibility 
of some semblance of justice regarding the what we now recognize as the stolen election of 2020. But instead of them being able to do that with the storming of the Capitol, the pretense was engendered that somehow the senators and the representatives of Congress might be in danger. And so they were then taken to supposedly safe locations where they could be gotten out of potential harm's way. Now, the fact and reality of the matter is that they were in no danger. The only danger that they might have been in would have been in the case of provocateurs who would have been given the assignment to actually inflict injury upon senators or people who served in the House of Representatives. Now, that certainly would have been a possibility, but again, it would not have been something to lay at the feet of Trump supporters. Once again, this whole event on the 6th of January, it reeked of premeditated uh, setup. It reeked of being something that was contrived well in advance, skillfully planned, so as to bring about the desired result, the phony insurrection. And they brought that off in flying colors to the point where they were able to torpedo the investigation that was commencing into the election fraud that might have nullified the validity of the votes of the Electoral College. On that day, of course, it became a cut-and-dried proposition. The last firewall of hope had been destroyed, and now there was going to be an inauguration of Joe Biden into the presidency. And that, of course, did transpire uh, on the 20th, even though QAnon continued to foment and circulate the false notion that on the 20th or sometime before that, the troops, the National Guard troops that were assembled in D.C. were somehow going to establish justice uh, via some type of declaration of an insurrection act, and many of the odious and nefarious characters uh, that are a major part of the problem in Washington, D.C. would be taken into custody and that military tribunals would ensue, etc., etc., etc. We all have heard this time and again, over and over again, and none of it ever comes true, obviously, because it's all a fantasy. It is all an exercise in wishful thinking to the extensive degree on the part of those who believe it, but on the part of those who are the purveyors of this false information, we are dealing with more uh, of the, the facets and aspects and dimensions of the conspiracy regarding uh, all of the things that I am describing. Now, it is a gargantuan web of deceit. It is massive in its proportions. And by the way, were it not for the fact that very powerful spiritual forces are at the apex of this conspiratorial triangle, were it not for that fact, it, it really couldn't even happen. It couldn't be pulled off over and over and over again, year after year, decade after decade, generation after generation. It's the Ephesians 6.12 construct. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Yes, it is a Luciferian cabal at its apex of power. And you must understand that in order to fully comprehend what it is that we are dealing with. So on the 6th of January, we had things happen that were, they were 
manipulated, they were misconstrued, they were uh, made the subject of propaganda, elaborate, sophisticated propaganda, which has gone on ceaselessly and unabated since the 6th, and now we have this sprawling Department of Justice investigation that is stating its intentions to round up ultimately possibly thousands of people and put them on trial criminally for felony-type charges for what they did on that day. Now, the left, of course, burns down uh, cities and, and inflicts billions of dollars of damage against uh, private property owners. They kill people. They murder cops in cold blood. They do all of this and so much more, and not a finger is lifted to bring them to the bar of justice. In fact, people such as the current uh, individual who is engaging in the pretense of being vice president of America has actually contributed to the fund to bail out the violent leftists who have perpetrated terror on America uh, during 2020. So again, you have this amazing, incomprehensible double standard that is the order of the day. And the Justice Department is carrying out this massive investigation, indicting people, uh, bringing people to the bar of, in this case, what is injustice, withholding bail from people, not letting them out on bail, uh, claiming that there's somehow a clear and present danger to the security of the nation. On and on it goes. All of the players are on the stage uh, doing their job to foist this conspiratorial set of circumstances upon their fellow countrymen. And so 9-11 and the events of January 6th and the election fraud of 2020, all of this, and of course the pandemic, which was an inseparable part of the election fraud, after all, were it not for the declared state of emergency in America and all of the draconian measures that were unnecessarily taken by the governors of the states throughout the land, there could have never been built and marshaled a case such as it was for the mailing out of these vast numbers of ballots uh, to uh, mailboxes and addresses all throughout the country. Clearly, it was the harvesting of those ballots that had been mailed out in mass that was an integral a foundational part of the theft of the 2020 elections. So all of this is inseparably intertwined. It is all very intricately linked together. And sadly and, and lamentably and tragically, the purveyors of all of this arch criminality seem to be getting away with all that they are doing, with all of the crimes that they are engaging in. They seem to be getting away with it. And yet I remind you as I began the broadcast with this truth, everything will be exposed. Everything will be revealed in the fullness of time. Well, my friends, it is time uh, to give you information as to how you might be able to communicate with us. You can, of course... Uh, contact us by email if you email us at voiceofliberty1776 voiceofliberty1776 at gmail.com 
Or you can write to us at Post Office Box 274, Etowah, Tennessee, E-T-O-W-A-H, Tennessee, 37331. Or you can call us at 423-241-7902. We welcome your communication and look forward to hearing from you if you so desire. And of course, we encourage you to look more deeply into all of the conspiratorial activities that have been such a prominent feature of modern history. It is nefarious, to say the least, that the enemies of liberty and truth and freedom and justice, that they will go to limitless depths of decrepit deceitfulness and treachery to forge the chains of bondage upon their fellow men. And yet we must understand that they are truly of their father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus said in John chapter 8. And he is the father of lies. And in a very real sense, they cannot help but carry forth the characteristics and the features of he whom they serve. And so this is what we're up against. This is what we're dealing with. And it is critical and it is imperative that in our understanding of that fact that we never cease to pursue the cause of truth and justice and righteousness. Until next time, this is Rick Tyler saying goodbye and may God bless and protect you. We need such preacher men today to show our people the way to redeem their lost liberty. The fires of hell cannot prevail against one man who'll take a stand from the pulpit expose tyranny and teach his people liberty liberty to exercise all their god-given rights right to at the time of their birth